Hey, this is Jeremy, and you're listening to Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. Owner of Vintage Axe Works, Roy Scott, took his hobby of refurbishing old axes into works of art and turned it into a career. Listen in to how he made the leap and the tricks he learned along the way. This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. All right, today we're here with Roy Scott of Vintage Axe Works. Roy, welcome. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, buddy. I'm glad to have you on the show. You restore axes, correct? That is correct. Yeah, a lot of people think that I... So I say that I make axes, but I don't actually forge the heads. Um, I've got this love affair with old axes. I've been collecting them since, I don't know, 2012, 2013, something like that. And so I make my own handles and... I restore the heads and I make my own sheaths, and I am lucky enough to call this my full-time job. So let's bring it back a little bit. You know, I want to. I want people to know, you know, where you came from, yeah, and, and and where you are currently, and and how you got here today. How'd you get into restoring vintage axe heads and and making handles? Well, I mean, just like anyone uh, with kind of a, an outlandish hobby, it, it kind of consumes people. Uh, at least that's the way that I am, and. This is the days before Instagram, so I started collecting axes. They were always just beat up and shitty, you know, like people just abused the hell out of axes. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but they just seem to get used really freaking hard. So you can, you can find axes pretty cheap at junk stores, thrift stores, that sort of stuff. And I started collecting them, and then I just wanted to make them nice. So I made a couple nice for myself, and I took pictures of them, and I took them back to my work, and showed my friends and, you know, and they're like, Oh man, that's cool. My grandpa's got an old ax. I can, can I, can I give that to you and have you restore it and fix it up and do all that for me? And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. When I was just kind of doing that stuff just for fun, nothing serious and, and no handle work whatsoever. I was just uh, going down to a local hardware store and uh, buying a cheap handle and like crossing my fingers, hoping for the best and get home <laughs> and, you know, uh, trying to put the two together and, I didn't know the first thing about hanging an axe, so I got on yeah. YouTube, and there's a whole bunch of tutorials, and I'm not going to get into who has the best or anything, but there's a really, really good comprehensive one that um, the Forest Service put out. It's called an Axe to Grind. It's like an hour-long episode, and it was it's very thorough, so I'd watch it over and over and over and practiced over and over and over, and as soon the demand from my coworkers and my friends and whatever just kind of kind of became too much, and... I was like, ah, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I just started collecting heads and just doing head work. And then, so that time frame is like, I don't know, 2013, 14, something like that. And I was living out in Washington state. So axes out there in Idaho, the Northwest, I mean, they're just, they're just everywhere because logging is such a huge uh, part of the community, part of the, right. uh, the economy, the culture. Uh, so I could find axes all day long. So I was just, buying heads and cleaning them up, restoring them, sharpening them the best I could and selling them on eBay. Um, and then I got, I decided to move back home to Kentucky to go work for my buddy that I've been friends with for like 30 years or something. And yep. so that worked for about six months. And then I got, fucking, <laughs> I got fucking fired. Um, yeah, my, what, were, my what were you doing? What were you doing? What was the well, work? So my buddy, he wanted me to be a service writer for, he owns a certified BMW repair shop and he wanted me to do service writing. And oh then my gosh, he was gonna I feel bad for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was opening another location in Louisville and he wanted me to manage it. So yeah. I was, you know, just learning the ropes because I didn't know shit about BMWs. It's just not my jam at all. I mean, I, yeah. I'm kind of a gearhead. Just, I've always been around cars and trucks and that sort of stuff. And my, my buddy, like he and I, worked on trucks uh, as kids. So, you know, I I felt comfortable enough doing it and I just needed a little change. I, I was in Washington for 15 years and I'm from around Louisville, Kentucky area. So I thought I'd help him out and give him a few years and, you know, it only lasted six months and I got the boot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
so I, I actually got married when I moved back. Yeah. I, um, I, so I'm married for like two weeks. I get fired and I still hadn't got every, I hadn't brought everything in from the garage from moving into my wife's house and I'm carrying some boxes in and shit's like clanging around. And she's like, what in the hell is all that? I was like, well, I collect axes. She didn't even know that I collected axes. <laughs> and I had like a pile of freaking axes that I've just drug across the country. And, uh, she is a total hustler. She was like, okay, so you don't have a job. You have some axes. Can you make some money off of those? And I was like, yeah, I've never lost any money. So I just started flipping heads like crazy for about really? a year. Well, it's easy. And I've been doing it for a few years. So reprofiling heads, um, putting a new finish on it, sharpening them up and putting them on eBay, easily doubling uh, my money, sometimes three to four X uh, on the dollar turn. And my wife, so that was like for about a year, and then my wife said, "You need to start hanging axes." And I was like, "Oh fuck, like, I'm not, wrong. I'm not, I'm just not that good at it." Yeah, yeah. And she was like, "Well, you better get good." <laughs> so, so I went out and got a whole bunch of handles, and I started practicing a whole bunch, and then I and I did that for about a year, and I got really good at it. And and the thing of it is, with with um, hardware handles, they're just junk. They feel like a billy club. They're really fat. There's no uniform eye shape to them. So you almost have to take the head that you're working on into a hardware store, pull off all the good candidates, and try to match up the head with all the handles that they have available. And maybe one out of ten will work. So um, I'm, I'm the most abusive person when it comes to my tools. And yeah. I started off with wooden ball peens. I've since moved to um, like a synthetic ball peen. But I started off with... And I used to snap handles all the time or, or mar yeah. them up really good. I still don't know. You should have seen the end of my ball peens. Talk about being a mechanic. I had nails jammed into the end of it, everything, <laughs> everything just to try to get the head to stay on the handle. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> um, so I did that for a little bit. And then I, I started an Instagram account. And... I, it was really discouraging. So this is like four years ago or so, um, and I'm posting things about axes, and I see other people that are doing some, you know, similar work to me, and they've got six thousand followers or ten thousand followers. And I was just like, golly, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna catch up to them. Like I'm doing the exact same thing, and getting no traction. And my wife was like, well, you have to start making your own handles. You have to do something that no one else is doing and you have to be different than everyone else. Yeah. So I was like, listen, if I'm going to do this, I'm going all fucking in and I'm going to get sand and equipment, freaking bandsaw, a grinder, a big, huge buffer uh, and vices. I'm going to, I'm going to take your grandpa's shop and I'm going to transform it into a really badass place to work. So a lot of people, see me on Instagram and they see my shop, but my shop has kind of become a character within my feed altogether because I've got about 900 heads on the walls. All my walls are pallet wood in the front room. I love, the, I love the fan that you got r rolling in the shop. That, that yeah. thing is crazy. So there are actually three fans. Yeah. Uh, and one of my buddies donated them to me. They're from Fanimation. They're like, it's, based on an old 1800s design. Right, they're it like belt-driven. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're really freaking cool. Um, so the ceiling has, uh, it's like a tin roofing from an old barn. Mm -hmm. So I've got two rooms in my shop. The front room is all done. I still need to get more tin for the back room so that I can put it up on the ceiling and then put three more fans up in the back. But so that being said, I was like, if I'm going to be in this shop eight to ten hours every single day, it has to be a place that inspires me to want to do work and 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 i want it to be like one of the coolest things that you know when people scroll through my feed it, they're not just seeing me and my idiot face they, they see the shop the background and just the whole experience so i started slowly building up the shop i slowly acquired machines and equipment because i didn't want anything you know, Harbor Freight Chinese bullshit stuff. So I got all, all of my tools are vintage American tools with the exception of my chop saw, which just chops wood. So I don't really care about it. There's nothing <laughs> accurate about it. Um, but all of my equipment, it's all American made. It's all old. Right. 
And it's just, it's not because I'm trying to be cool hipster. It's because this shit's good and it works and it's solid. I mean, my planer, it's a 12-inch Parks planer. It probably weighs, I don't know, 500 fucking pounds or something. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, why would why would I spend more money on a lunchbox planer when I can buy something that is American made and cast iron and will last another lifetime. I mean, it's just the way that I roll. And that's kind of the, the whole business model that I've set up, whether it's my equipment, whether it's the axes, it's just like, that's what I do. Well, we, I, I talked with, um, you know, we talked before the show about Jesse Savage and that, and that was one of the biggest things is like a lot of the, the older tools are easier to maintain, easier to fix yeah. They're just way less components that, that, you know, I mean, I got to talk to guys in the, in the tractor industry and they're, and they're moving from, you know, new tractors back to old tractors because there's just yeah. so much electronics and they're like, you know, essentially we just need to plow the field. You know what I mean? Or we need yeah. to, to do whatever we need to do. I don't need this, yeah. you know, $150,000 fancy tractor. I could buy a, you know, yeah, a, exactly. a $8,000 international fix it up. So it's interesting. Like, like you get into the cab of one of these new things and automatically TikTok pulls <laughs> up and your fans are fucking blowing on you. And sh- <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, when, when did this happen? <laughs> yeah, welcome, Roy. <laughs> yeah, really. So no, so, like uh, my, my, my bandsaw, for instance, it's yeah. it's a 19, I think, 40 or 45 model. That, that style of Delta Rockwell bandsaw, that's what every bandsaw today has been built off that foundation right there. So why wouldn't I just get the original? I mean, it's fucking bomber. So whatever. So let's get, let's get into a day in the life. Like how, how, no, no, no. I I mean, we're rolling right along. This is great. I I figured I'd just throw it out there. I want to know what you do from sun up to sundown. How the, how the heck do you, you know, make a vintage axe. I, you know, is it a so, lot of shopping on eBay or what? No. All right. So, so honestly, I, I wake up uh, around between six and seven, and and I don't get to the shop until probably between nine and ten. Right. There's all sorts of ancillary bullshit stuff that goes on behind the mm-hmm. scenes, kind of stuff like administrative type stuff. So, for instance, this morning. I was taking some orders, finishing up orders from the day before. Uh, maybe I had to do a couple final touches on some leather. I got to pack stuff up, take it to the post office. So I'll, I usually start working, like, you know, full on working in the shop around 10. Yep. And today I was like, God damn it, I'm going to get to the shop um, at 8 o'clock because I got a whole bunch of shit I need to do. I didn't make it out until 10 o'clock because all this other stuff just keep, keeps adding up. And I'll, and I'll give you a stupid example. Here's something, a little behind the scenes of Vintage Axe Works. I posted a picture today of a bluegrass half hatchet that I sold yesterday, okay? Mm-hmm. Taking one picture to put on freaking Instagram took me 45 minutes. 45 <laughs> minutes. And I'm not even joking because I, you know it needs to be perfect because uh, on, on the podcast that I host, the Axe and Iron Podcast, we always talk about, you know, you only see the home runs, right? So this right. was a fu- this was a home run piece. It had to be perfect, and I'm shooting, clicking, turning, sunlight here. You know, just all that stupid little stuff for a perfect post. So you're not messing around. I mean, that's that's crazy because that's exactly what we do. My wife is like, if she's listening, she's gonna kill me. But essentially, like, <laughs> why why does it take you so long to do this? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And and now you're on TikTok or. Now you're on Facebook, or now you're on this. I'm like, I, I gotta try to you put it have all together. To be. Yeah. <laughs> so so, it, so it's, like, it's wild. So like, ninety percent of my business runs through Instagram. All most of my sales come through Instagram. So why would mm-hmm. I put stupid, shitty photos out there if right. I'm trying to sell something at a premium? My stuff is among the highest priced pieces out there. So if the photo looks like crap. That just turns people off. Like, oh, he doesn't even care about the photo. Like, does he even care about the axe that he just restored? I mean, it's all those little little details. And if you scroll through my feed, you'll see a, comp- a couple common themes of what I say. It's all about the details as one. It's not mm-hmm. just an axe. It's an experience. And I truly believe that. So whenever you get something from me, right. I want your mind to be fucking blown. So it all starts 
with a picture. I mean, as silly as that sounds, the setup for every single thing, if you set yourself up for mediocrity, well, God damn it, that's what you're going to get. And if yeah. you set yourself up for excellence, maybe you hit it, but you keep fucking trying to hit it every fucking day. Well, and that's, what, that's one of the foundations of starting our podcast was the fact that, you know, when it comes to, to men and women in the trades, you know, you have your you have your mediocrity, but then you have the people that really kill it. And and, you know, I want to get in the mind of the people that that understand how I mean, literally wake up and piss excellence. Like I want to I want to <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Spend 45 minutes on every photo and you're laying the foundation. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, seriously, though, I, I mean, I, there's the people out there that I, I mean, I did one with the Powerline podcast and the, the guy is just between work and this and that. He's he's all over the place. I mean, all yeah. of our all the people that we've interviewed, their job does not stop after they go. You know, they leave whatever they're doing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them live where they work. So it's even it's even crazier. Yeah. I'm like 100 feet from my house. It's in my backyard. So <laughs> I don't have any rent on my building. I, I yeah. just pay. You know, the utility is just tied right to the house. So I'm essentially working air quotes for free here. And, and I was just talking today on my podcast that if you're if you're not bumping into shit, you're you're doing something wrong. Right. Like yeah. you need you need to surround yourself with tools, equipment, supplies, freaking everything right there at your disposal. I'm not saying that it has to be like a shit box thing where you can't move or anything, but right, you need right. to be constantly running out of space because you're trying to fill your area to capacity, either whether what you're building or the process or you know, whatever you're trying to accomplish, you need to do it at an 11 every freaking day. So I get in the shop. So I take a couple of pictures, do all that sort of stuff. Um, yep. The day kind of goes, if I've got existing orders, is it a customer supplied head that they sent me uh, and I need to go get it in the mail? Or is it just something some customers say, well, do you have so-and-so acts? Do you have a Kelly Perfect jersey? And then I'll pull one off. And I'll say yes, and I'll start building it. And then it's literally, I've got, I don't know, 30 templates the, uh, of handles um, that I've made over the years. So, um, And I've got a stockpile of lumber. I've got hickory ash, and I've got some crazy uh, laminate blanks that I'm, I'm currently working on. So I literally just put the two together, get a, get a template, go to the back room, get, a, get some wood put it on the chop saw, draw out my template, put it on the bandsaw, and then I I hang all of my heads with a draw knife. Right. Um, and why do I do that? Because it's the best, fastest method. Um, I didn't invent it. Uh, I thought it was so I thought it was so it wouldn't cut you. You can't cut yourself with a draw knife, right? Dude, I've cut myself so many fucking times with that thing. <laughs> You crazy? But, then, but but that's the thing. When you pull a draw knife towards you, you can't cut yourself. Correct? Your the your no. whole body. You could be a dummy and like cut your gut, or your hand could slip off the handle and uh, it could get into you. If if seriously, if your razor, if your draw knife isn't like a razor blade, right, then right, right. just stop what you're doing and resharpen it because your the whole purpose is to get that rough shape of the eye to the head. Right. Uh, and fast stock removal with a draw knife is the most efficient uh, means to do it. You can hang, and I'm not saying that because that's how I do it. That's the only way to do it. There are tons of ways to hang a head. But people give me shit all the time about, oh, my God, I just saw you hang that head, and now you're sanding, and now you're profiling, and, and now it's finished. And it's been two hours, three hours, and you're already done. Well, the answer to that is I've been doing this for a long time. I've got a ton of practice. Yeah. And if I can get that head fitted to the handle, get it sanded, get pictures taken, and get it in the boiled linseed oil, that's money. And I can start on the next one. What people don't understand is I'm actually running a business. It is a legit business. And if I'm sitting here dilly-dallying around, I'm not making money. And a lot of people have this romance with restoring axes, especially now, the last five years. Holy fuck, people just want to restore axes. 
Right. And they do one, they sell it, you know, they sell it air quotes to their friend or they post it up on Instagram or Facebook. Hey, this one's going out to a new customer. Really? Is it really going to a customer or are you just saying that so you can play business, you know, like dress up in a business suit for a day? Um, because yeah. it took you it took you all weekend to do it and it's just for fun for you. And that's fine. Like, go ahead, do it. I encourage everyone to do that. It is fun. But whenever it goes from fun to a business and you try to scale it, things change there's in a hurry. A ton of, there's a ton. Of, yeah, there's there's way, there's way more behind it. And you're 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 when you boil down the price of an axe into the amount of time, effort, thought, everything yeah. into it, you, sometimes you can't even justify your labor cost into the price of the axe, you know, and yeah. to try to get there. Mm-hmm. Which you've which you've gotten there is is um, you know something that a lot of people can't do. So that's that's good. Well, thank you. Um, and you know, a lot of people think that the head is the most valuable part of the axe. And you know, they by and large that might be correct if you have a valuable head, um, like a really desirable one. But you know, they made millions of axes every single month, so. There is a finite amount of them, but you can still find them relatively inexpensively. So, I mean, just for an unmarked head, I charge $25 for it because I usually find it for $20. But I've got $5 into actually going out and pounding the pavement and finding it. So I'm not making money on the heads. It's all time. You know, lumber, if you buy in bulk like I do, it's relatively affordable. Right. Uh, But again, again, it's on scale. Someone... You know, just a, a backyard guy, you know, doing one axe a month or something like that. It's kind of, it's just a pain in the ass to go get five quarter or six quarter lumber, rough sawn lumber, and <laughs> yeah, start yeah. to process it and all that sort of stuff. So to your point, it's all about time. That's that's what is wrapped up in into all the products that I sell. It's just time. I mean, yes, there are materials, there are supplies, but by and large, it's time. And the shorter that I can make that time, the more money I can make. I'm not charging anymore, but just on the back end, if I can save hours and start working on something else, then I'm turning another piece and I'm making, you know, another paycheck. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what people don't realize. You know, it's, uh, I mean, I've take. I'll let I'll let our listeners take a look at your website at the price of your axes. But I took a, lo- a look at your axe and I was like, "Ooh, these well, things." Are- the, yeah, some of the, the stuff that's out on my website. I mean, those are just silly pieces. Those are epoxy stuff that, like, I had a, this grand idea last year. They just never moved, and they're just parked out there. Average price for a vintage axe works piece for a full size axe, by and large, is like three hundred and fifty, four hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. All right. Hatchets, um, like that bluegrass that I sold yesterday, it sold for $400 just because, you know, bluegrass is very desirable. It had a really cool handle on it with tons of figuring. I just, I just did one today, uh, with a crotch green laminate walnut, uh, and that one's $400 for a little 15 inch hatchet. So, you know, like right around that area, but you know, for, if a customer sends me something, they got, they got a little hatchet from their family or whatever that it's $225 plus shipping and you get a fully restored head, hand-shaped handle and a leather sheath. So I, I it seems it, it that to me, that's affordable. It's fair. You're getting a quality yeah. product and you will be able to pass it down to your relatives later on down the road. Well, it was funny cause I was actually in the market for my, hey, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so, no, I mean, wow. So my, my nephew was in the, he, he just got into the Boy Scouts and being, you know, in the podcast industry now and dealing with all these different trades. I was like, I started to look for a Boy Scout axe because he wanted, it was his mm-hmm. birthday was coming up. He's in the Boy Scouts. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to get my nephew something that maybe his parents don't want him to have. Yeah, of course. That's fun, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. So I, I looked, and I, and unfortunately, I didn't I didn't come across you in time. So I actually went to the Boy Scout website, but you know, a hundred and I think seventeen dollars later, I got a Boy Scout stamped axe, and he loves it. But you know, when I grew up, we were able to buy axes under eighteen. I, I don't know how it is out in Kentucky, but out it's in Wallace, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
in Massachusetts, you got to produce ID to to buy an axe now. So, oh my God, no, yeah, no, it was. It was I remember, like I said, saving my pennies, going down and buying an axe and doing stupid stuff. That's probably why you have so many beat up axe heads. Probably, who knows? But um, <laughs> you know, those Boy Scout axes, uh, right? A couple companies made them. Plum being the predominant one, they made them in several different patterns. They're they're highly desirable for exactly for the exact reason that you just laid out. I do a lot of Boy Scouts. I, I typically buy every Boy Scout axe that I can find, right? Just because. You can never have enough. You can just never have enough. <laughs> I don't know how many I have right now. Probably, I don't know, 20 or so. That's awesome. And, oh, here's a little side note. If you ever run across a Girl Scout uh, little hatchet, buy it immediately on the spot if it's less than $200. Really? Uh, because, oh, yeah. They're very, very rare. They're very, very desirable. Uh, they're very collectible. I, I've got, I don't know, maybe a half dozen or so, and I've only gotten rid of one of them and it was for one of my buddies uh wow you just don't let them go some things you just don't let go <laughs> and girl scouts are one of them anyway so you you got any kids no no <laughs> <laughs> all right well the question I, the, I was leading into a question here and the question no. was do you want your kids to go in the trade so you can either pretend you don't have kids or you do have kids it doesn't matter i i, I so listen i think it is important i i hate kids all right i'll just be straight <laughs> I, I hate them i i think it is important for these little shithead kids to get up off their butts and yeah, yeah. get get you know take their freaking cell phones away take their ipads away and make them go camping make them Go work on a, an old beat-up truck or tractor or something and get their freaking fingers scuffed up and, you know, cut get get a couple of scars um, because all these kids are fucking snowflakes today. Everyone gets a blue ribbon. Bullshit. No, <laughs> that's not the way life works at all. Seriously. When, no one has given me a blue ribbon every day, every time that I lock my door to the shop and head to the house. I don't get a blue ribbon. So why no. why are we teaching these kids to get a, a a freaking ribbon just because they play soccer? I mean, come on! You passed, you graduated high school. Congratulations! You did the state minimum. You you did what the state mandated you to do. You passed. Now start your fucking life. Well, um, and, that's, and no, and, and you're 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 one hundred percent right. You know now now the trades are 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 coming up. People are. You know, yeah, we exactly. We we forgot about the trades for a long time. We forgot how to work with our hands, and now now we're in a situation where you know the price of of labor has gone up because there's clearly nobody that wants to do it. And, yeah, and, and that's that, the thing. Like people don't want to do it. There are jobs out there, but people. It's like, oh, it's it's beneath me. I don't I don't want to go work in a factory. Well, you know what? Before I was an engineer, I worked in a freaking factory. If you hate something bad enough, you will change your situation and make it better for yourself or you'll die mm -hmm. trying, or at least I will. Um, so yeah, I got up off my, so I was, I went, I, in high school, I took woods, I took metals, I went to vocational school. So I only went to high school half the day. Then I went to vocational school and then the, your senior year of vocational school, it was work release. So I started working in a plywood factory and I hated it. And I was like, I'm going to college. Fuck this. Yeah. Then I became an engineer, and then I got laid off in 2008, and I decided to go back to school for something that I liked and loved, which was outdoor recreation. And it only took me a year and a half to get another uh, bachelor's degree. And then I was like, well, economy still hasn't picked up. One of my professors said, you know, you should really apply for grad school. And I said, listen, I, I can't afford it. Uh, and he said, well, you know, there are assistantships, so apply for the assistantship. So if I, I just made a deal with myself, if I, if I get the assistantship, then I'll go to grad school. So I did get it. Um, it was paid for by the state. I had to work 20 hours as an instructor for recreation classes. Um, and that's kind of what led me to the love of axes because it was very outdoor. Obviously, it was outdoor recreation, um, yeah. um, recreation oriented, and I was just consuming Tons of information, you know, John Muir stuff, uh, the uh, Sierra um, Sierra Club kind of Sierra stuff. Sierra Club, yeah, 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 yeah. And then their PBS put out a wonderful documentary uh, of this dude named Dick Pernecki. Uh, he was a he. Are, are you familiar with the story uh, Alone in the Wilderness? Yes. 
So yeah, a fifty year old fifty year old dude moves to Alaska in like the sixties or seventies or whatever Correct. it was. Yeah, at, yeah. Fi- at fifty years old, builds a cabin with hand tools, with an axe being one of the main components of his toolkit. Builds this cabin and lives up there for like thirty years by himself, alone in the wilderness, and shoots everything with like an eight millimeter camera. PBS yep. does a documentary, and I just I just ate that shit up, and then <laughs> um, I got. I, I graduated with my master's and I started working um, at a mental hospital for criminally insane people in Washington state. And uh, I was doing recreation for them. And so part of my programming that I would offer to these guys was, it was called leisure education. And I would read them outdoor uh, recreation type books and information. And then I, sh- I read that book to them, showed them the movie and this is like I'm in my early 30s at this at this time in my life. And I was like, this fucking guy did this at 50 and I'm 30 and I don't have the slightest clue what I would do. I better get on the ball. And I already had an outdoor recreation degree. I had a master's degree and I felt like I was underprepared if, you know, the, the zombie apocalypse came. So I started going out and buying a bunch of hand tools. And that's what really got me into axes. And like, if if the world decides to turn over on itself, yeah, guns are cool, bullets will run out, axes will be around forever. Even if the freaking handle breaks, you can still throw <laughs> the freaking head at someone. Well, I mean, it's just it's just very practical. That's all I'm getting at. No, 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 and you're and you're 100 right. And and it's funny that that you say that because I think the 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 trend for for people um, nowadays, the the younger generation, is they're moving to and. I don't know if you're going to be able to associate it, but they're moving to smaller houses. A lot of people are moving to van life. A lot of people are traveling. I think people are moving away from more materialistic things and moving towards more outdoor exploration. And, um, you know, people don't want to be tied down to a job. People want to move yeah. from, from place to place. And and I got buddies who are who are younger than me. They're like, I can't believe you work a nine to five. I can't believe you've done this for 10 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like I'm supposed to go to work and then I'm supposed to do this. Right. And long story short, it's just funny that there's a, there's another breed coming up that, that is an, more of an outdoor enthusiast. And, and so there might be a re- revitalization there anyway. Well, you know, guys that are, I, I'm 40, I hate to say this, I'm 42 now. And, um, guys that are my age and a little bit younger, that is, totally true. These guys just want to, you know, be able to be self-reliant and this whole bushcraft movement came about, um, you know, being self-reliant and, you know, just being able to live off the land and all that horseshit stuff. Right. (laughs) What it really just comes boils down to is, you know, just treating like teaching boys how to be boys and men again and tough women, you know, like that, that's what it comes down to because we have we have forgotten so many of those hard skills that we've got to we got to pay some asshole to teach us. Well, right. you don't really just go out into the woods and flail around for a couple of years. You'll figure it out. That's what I did. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it's just that simple. <laughs> and this is a very general blanket statement, but people want the short answer for everything, right? How do you do this? How do you do that? They want a one line answer, and it's just not that simple. And people are so reluctant and and so afraid. To get off their butts and go try something and fail at it. Like, I didn't think Vintage Axe Works was going to be where it is today, four years ago. But I I didn't have a choice. I had to do something. I mean, my wife wasn't going to let me sit around and watch freaking Pornhub all day and, like, collect (laughs) unemployment. I mean, come on. (laughs) I mean, I had to do something. So people just are so afraid of failing that they almost don't even try. And right. believe me, I've failed so many times at, at, at different projects that I'm working on in the shop. Uh, or, you know, I've tried like the epoxy stuff. That was a huge, I made, I made quality pieces, but in terms of marketability and sales and everything, it was a complete failure. Right. But no one else was doing it. And I would rather be, freaking first and wrong than second and right on that one. Well, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said about that. I mean, every day I try something new. I mean, I don't know how many times I got screamed at by my boss because I tried to take a shortcut. Well, 
the shortcut wasn't because I wanted a shortcut. I wanted to get it done in a quicker amount of time. The book says right. to do it this way. Well, I'm smarter. I can do it a, a yeah. different way. But once you're down that path, it's either you do it or you, or, or you yeah. fail. And and when you fail, it sucks. But when you when when you hit a home run, you man, yeah. you come out looking like a king. Yeah, of course you do. So um, I'm it, taking those risks. Here's the other thing: you do that a couple of times and you knock it out of the park, and then mm-hmm. people start people start noticing, right? And they're like, oh. You know what? What's this guy up to now? What's going on? How yeah. how did he, how did he do this? And you know, and then all the freaking all the trolls start coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> I had I had no idea that people would be trolling a, a freaking axe restoration company. I mean, come on, people! Uh, it's just it's exhausting. Sometimes. They need to, they need to get outdoors. I I think that's what you're saying. They need to get I, outdoors and start seriously somewhere. I I guess so, man. It's just silly. So, I mean, it's absolutely so, silly. So moving along, you you uh, clearly collect vintage axe heads because we've we've hammered that home. But tell me about a cool build or project you have been excited about. Something you got on the back burner. Something you got in the works. Something you've done? Oh, that's a good question, man. I mean, I've got I've got a couple. I got this Black Raven project that I'm I'm holding out on. And if you don't know what a Black Raven is, just Google it. It's the most desirable sought after axe in axe history. Like even if the layperson doesn't know axes, like they've seen or heard of a Black Raven. Okay. So I've got I've got a Black Raven that I'm working on. I sent it up to a powder coater. This is like two months ago. I sent it to a powder coat. I want to murder this bitch out, right? I would just total, <laughs> and it's it's going to be awesome. Um, no one powder coats freaking heads anymore, so I started doing that. Yeah. So he powder coats it. I I, I make this hand shaped handle for it. I dye the handle black. I'm going to do a black wedge. I'm going to do black leather, and the head comes back, and it's it's not real black, but it's good enough. And I start I start. Um, grinding in the cutting edges and on my two by 72 i just tilted the head a little bit too far into the belt and it scuffed up the paint so i had to send it back to the powder coater they're going to strip it repaint it mm-hmm. and the pow- this powder coater is huge uh so i'm just like a, a nothing burger to them right um <laughs> they just get to me whenever they get to me they're a huge corporation so i'm waiting on that one and and the the reason that i'm so antsy about this one it's a very very expensive desirable head it's a small black raven which makes it even more desirable so anytime you collect anything the really big things are valuable the really small things are valuable the middle of the road stuff is just middle of the road stuff this one's a small one and it and it's very expensive so i'm also i hate to say i'm 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 not restoring uh, i've got a 79 ford f-150 i'm not restoring it it's a daily driver, but like mm-hmm. I'm, it's, I'm hopping it up. So I've already done a, a lowering kit. I, I dropped the front three inches. I dropped the rear four inches. Did all new, all new hubs, like wheel bearings, freaking mm-hmm. disparate, like every single steering component from the gearbox to the rag joint, everything has been replaced. And the point of all this is I made a deal with my wife. Oh, that's going to be sweet, man. <laughs> yeah. And believe me, I, I I had a '69 Chevy. It was a four-wheel drive. Um, I, everyone just calls them C10s now. Um, but a '69 Chevy, um, and that's how tying it back to an earlier story. My my buddy that fired me, he was my neighbor as a kid growing up, and my dad and I were working on this uh, C10. And my friend would come over, and we would all work on it together. We would listen to the radio, listen to oldies. And that, that's how I got mechanically, you know, um, just kind of comfortable working on cars and trucks. Um, so I'm with you. I love Chevys too. Uh, but <laughs> I, I also love for, I'm just a truck kind of guy. No, uh, no, no. You know, I'm, it's, it's funny that you say that. Cause you know, I, I, I do like general motors through and through. I mean, growing up, that's, that's what we did. My uh, a, a buddy of mine has a uh, what is it a '66 Ford Fairlane that he stores at, okay. at, at yeah. my house and and I mean you can appreciate you know mm-hmm. old American vehicles and I mean it, it doesn't matter but yeah it's just the rivalry's funny I love it and, and yeah I, I love talking about it you know and and it's true because 
there's there's Chevy guys and then there's Ford guys and then there's oh for sure yeah and then there's Dodge guys and then oh, now we got fuck. Toyota guys. <laughs> fuck Dodge guys, God. <laughs> I oh, hate man. Dodge. So it's funny the 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 way that that truck uh, me getting that truck. My wife and I. So her dad, he's a gearhead too. Yeah. Um, we would all we would go to car shows and and last year we went to another car show, and my wife. Uh, we're, we're looking at this, uh, it was like a 71, 72 Chevelle had a 427 in it or something like that. Yeah. I mean, just freaking hopped up and he's selling it. Right. So he's like, Hey, pretty girl, why don't you come over here and start up this car? See if you like it. You want to buy it? And so he's like, okay. So she walks over, bumps the key and you know, it's just shaking and rattling and just, and I'm like leaning into the door. I'm like, we need this. We got, like, we, we just need this. <laughs> and she was like, we can't afford this. And I go, I'll make you a deal. How about we get a shop truck and you let me fix it up and hop it up and make it run like this. And she was like, I can get on board with that. So within a month, I, I bought the, the 79 F-150. Um, wow. Just been slowly working on it. I'm going to do a, I know this is a kind of trade thing or whatever, but uh, I'm going to do a top end kit on it. Uh, Edelbrock top end kit. So, uh, you know, new, new aluminum heads, intake, uh, headers, all that sort of stuff. Well, since it's a shop truck, you got to document it. <laughs> no, 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 document it. Put it, put it on Insta and then tag every hashtag I, that the mechanics got. I, I have, I've started doing that stuff and another another way for me to like be able to you know suck some some blood out of the turnip is well hey hun it's a shop truck I, it, it's a tax write-off we can we can claim this on our taxes <laughs> and she was like i never thought of that but so it's going to be a full-blown uh shop truck um hopefully my tattoo artist um hopefully he will be able to paint my logo. I want a hand painted logo, you know, like the old school rat rod kind of shit mm-hmm. where like you actually take a paintbrush and you paint on kind of a crappy logo. Um, yeah. but it's just real authentic. And that's the look that I'm going for. Well, it's, um, it's, fu- it's funny that you talk about rat rods because, you know, me and the boys at the shop, we talk about, you know, what you would want for a vehicle. And a lot of the, a lot of the guys who are young mechanics are like, I can do suspension. I can do engine work. I can't do body work because that's like yeah. a whole nother, that's like a whole nother thing. So a lot of guys want to buy that, that as, as we call it, like that straight line vehicle, you know, mm-hmm. one that doesn't need much and, and go for it. But now I rat rods are, are all the craze because it's, it's, you know, you take a whole bunch of gearheads and yep. then you just, you just clear coat all the stuff that we can't do. <laughs> hang so, some doors that don't belong to it if it needs them and then you just yeah. drive the shit out of it so dude i've got everyone fooled on my instagram feed um <laughs> like I've, I've got the it looks good 15 feet away paint job <laughs> <laughs> the, the previous owner or two owners before me who knows they they took it to a body shop or they did it themselves and they painted it the doors aren't aligned right. They didn't repair the the floor pans, the cab corners, anything like that, or the the fender wells over the rear wheels where it every every truck in Kentucky and Indiana just rusts out. Um, yeah. And it's like they painted the rust, um, but it's like 15 feet away. It's that fucking popping Ford blue paint that just looks great in the sun. Yeah, it's, like a, <laughs> it's like a yeah Ford blue. I, I forget yeah. what they call it. Corporate blue. I think it's corporate blue. After work, what's your what's your deal? Do you do you get into cars? You go out to the bar? You play pool? I mean, wh- what do you do after work? What's your release? So I I haven't I don't really do anything. I mean, I know that's a that's a lame answer. Um, I only my wife she's a traveling sales rep, so she's gone Monday through Friday. So for me, working in the shop until like now, it's what is it? It's going on ten o'clock. This is not abnormal for me. Um, and then I go in, I'm beat, I'm exhausted. I take a shower, I eat something, I go to bed. Uh, and then my wife comes home on the weekends and we hang out and, uh, we go to junk stores, thrift stores. We go over to her parents. I'm old. I don't really do a whole lot. Now, whenever I was living in Washington and Idaho, I was an avid fly fisherman. I absolutely love fly fishing and backpacking. So 
Um, if you've picked up on any, if you're, if you and or your listeners have picked up on anything in this podcast, I don't like laziness and complacency. No, I so, think we got that. So, uh, in every aspect of my life. So I was a huge fly fisherman, but I wasn't like a roadside fly fisherman. I would backpack a couple of miles in to go fishing just because the fishing's better and there aren't people there and people are really lazy um, and if you live in Idaho, fishing is good just about everywhere you drive your car. But if you just get off the trail, off the road for two miles, the fishing is even better. Uh, so right now, I am planning a trip to go to Montana. I'm leaving on, I think, September the 2nd. I'm driving to Montana from Kentucky, and I'm taking a nine-day backpacking trip into the Bob Marshall Wilderness with one of my buddies that still lives out in Spokane, Washington. So wow. I cannot wait for that. I'm actually afraid because I have not been in the woods with a backpack on for five years. And I have consumed a lot of beer between then and now. And I've gained weight. I've got the dad bod going on. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried. <laughs> but, you, but you hate kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got I got. I just got the the forty year old, you know, <laughs> married bod going on or whatever. No, so that that'll be a wild trip. I mean, so I've been up, I've been up in that area. Uh, I got a cousin that lives up in Montana. I'm super jealous. The other thing I, I wanted to get into, and I know we we got into the whole Ford Chevy thing, but so that's your that's your shop truck is the is the Ford. But what do you normally drive? Oh, my daily driver. Yeah, what um, are your daily driver? Was it a Saturn? <laughs> No, dude, I lived out in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, the, the car that's a diamond dozen out there is a Subaru Outback, and I still drive it. I still got my Washington plate on the front, too. I've been in Kentucky <laughs> for five years. I refuse to take that thing off. <laughs> is, it even, is it even registered in Kentucky? Yeah, it's registered in Kentucky, but, you know, the, in Washington, you got to have a plate on the front and the back. The front and the back. I, right. I, I, I'm just holding on to, you know, just... Out of solidarity, I still love Washington more than I love Kentucky. You know, well, welcome to Massachusetts. I mean, it's front front plates, back plates. They can't yeah. be. They have to be legible. I mean, yeah, it's it's awful, awful. But you know what? I really appreciate you being on the show right now. I'm going to give you, and I I hesitate because I, God knows where. Right, here we go. I I give you the opportunity to talk about anything from your podcast to. A website to people that you've met along the way that you love. I mean, here's your floor. Um, so early on with Ben and Jack's Works, uh, kind of whenever I was in that transition period, I was actually on the road with my wife. Uh, whenever she was selling stuff, we we mm -hmm. actually drove from Minneapolis to Miami to New York to Boston, uh, two weeks on, two weeks off. And as I'm building Vintage Axe Works up, I was um, fortunate enough to meet a lot of people that I looked up to. And a lot of followers that had come on to my feed. Um, so just being able to have the freedom and flexibility to, to meet a lot of great people in the, the whole Axe community has, you know, they, they have been very supportive of me and Vintage Axe Works. Um, either they love me or they hate me. Um, you know, they, they hate me because I'm doing what I love and they don't get to do what they love, but they love Axes. So... I just want to say to all of my followers, to anyone that has purchased anything from me, thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Um, I am nothing without that support. So I could make tons of cool axes, but if I don't have anyone to buy them, well, I just got tons of cool axes to throw in my house. So to be able to make a job and a, a, um, a living out of doing what I love be, because of this crazy world that we live in now i mean right right, right. i feel very very fortunate so yeah. thank all of you guys it, it's it you, you bring that up because it's it's a different it's a different business model now that's crazy that we it can is, it is reach absolutely so many more crazy. people now it is absolutely crazy and and you and i were talking before the show about steve steve lazalier on the uh acres of timber uh podcast um, he calls it the woodpreneur. Um, and I started calling my business uh, and me and my friends, you know, that actually have businesses like we're micropreneurs. So people, 
I've got fucking sponsors, man. I, I've got, I'm sponsored by Red Label Abrasives. I'm sponsored by Beaumont Tools. I'm sponsored by uh, Evaporust. I never in a million years thought I would ever have companies solicit me and give me money and products because I believe in them and I use them every single day. And without them, I couldn't make my products. That's just That just blows my mind that people on Instagram have that much weight and influence to be able to get things from large corporations. And, you know, it's, it's a mutual respect and relationship between, uh, both parties. And, and, and on that front, I'm so freaking grateful, so grateful. So thank you to all of my sponsors also. It's give, it's give the people what they want. The people demand something and then out, out of the fire comes, Come somebody, and and fortunately for for the world, it's you, <laughs> and and yeah. uh, you know they're they're going to continue to support you until I don't know. I'm going to give one one more plug to, yeah. to fucking Wilton Vices. I've been pushing their <laughs> goddamn products for years now, and those guys are getting so much free content out of Vintage Axe Works that. They like seriously open invitation, Wilton. If you are listening, I need the hookup because I've got two five inch bullets, I got a four inch bullet, I got a three inch bullet, I got a two <laughs> a two inch baby bullet. I love fucking Wilton vices, uh, not because they're sexy as all get out, but they work like a dream. They are the best vices I've ever used in my life. So, Wilton, step up and you know, send me some fucking love. Hey, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta step in there too. Not that I'm looking for it. I'm just helping you out. I got two Wilton vices as well. Yeah, I, my mine are newer, and I love mm-hmm. them to death too. So, you know, it pa- pass the love along. So, um, <laughs> Hell yeah, man! <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I mean, thank you. This was this was awesome. Like, a great conversation. You're good people. Um, yeah. Good well, luck. Thanks for the invite. Uh, thanks for the invite. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for reaching out to me. Super All cool. Right. Keep it up. Yeah.